Amen. Well, hey, I have so much I want to say to you today. Um, Colossians has been deep and wide. I don't know if you've read Colossians or not. If you didn't, you missed out. If you did, then you know what I'm talking about. And uh, it is vast. Um, let's, let's just say this. Colossians is all about Christ. You're just like, Christ? Don't use churchy language. Messiah. Don't use Israelite language. Jesus. We're getting a little closer now. Okay. God. It's all about God. Um, and Ephesians, which we started to dabble in now, is all about the church of Jesus. Right? So the, the church in Colossae was kind of like eh, having a little trouble. Some people were creeping in saying, well, angels are pretty important. <laughs> well, fasting is pretty important. If I If I... Uh, you know, limit myself. If I work harder, won't it be better? Only Jesus, right? Only Jesus. So what I want to encourage you to do today is to put Jesus Christ first this Christmas. Now, it's not like you haven't heard that before. Have you heard that before? Like last Christmas, you probably heard that. And the Christmas before, and the Christmas before. If you're a church goer, you've probably heard this a billion times. Well, no, you're not a billion years old. You probably heard it, I've heard it 46 times. I only remember it 41, but I heard it 46. So what's going to be different this year? Right? I mean, literally, you just got to ask yourself. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing with <laughs> expecting a different result. It doesn't depend on works. There's nothing you can do. Right? It depends on Jesus. It depends on us putting our heart, mind, and soul focus directly on him. I want to help you do that by preaching from Colossians 1, verse 15 and following. Put Christ first. That's the target. Put Christ first. Why? I'm going to give you four reasons why. Why should I put Christ first? Right? Why? There's so many things I could put first at Christmas. I could put the lights first. I could put the gifts first. I could put my family first. Why should I put Jesus first? Where is he anyway? Okay, well, let's answer those questions. Number one reason. Let me, should I read the passage? Let me read the passage. I'm going to read it from, um, I have my Bible up here, just so you know. I always hate it when people like put the Bible on the backstage. Hate is a strong word. I dislike it greatly. When people put their Bible like on the back and like they come to the front with a note card or something and like pontificate about, I'm like, dude, the power is right here, right? So I have printed out New Living Translation. I want to just read it for you. Okay, I'm going to preach from the ESV, but New Living Translation, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. Let me, let me read. Christ, Jesus, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. 
You're like, I've seen thrones. I've seen kingdoms. I've seen rulers. I've seen authority. Well, that's why he says it again, in the unseen realm, right? There's a spiritual realm. There's ranks of demons. There's ranks of angels. They're very organized, more organized than we are as humans. And it's invisible. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. Apart from Jesus, this world would explode like a bomb. Imagine that. Christ is also the head of the church which is his body, he is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. There's a whole bunch of people that are going to rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He's first place, preeminence in your Bible probably. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Jesus. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you. Man, that's good news. Everything includes you. This includes you who were once far away from God. Maybe still are who were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand. Who makes us holy and blameless? Oh, my best efforts, right? Well, I re- tried really hard this week. He brought us in. He made us holy and blameless. It is not us. It is him. We surrender to that as you stand before him without a single fault. When God looks at you today, if you're saved in Jesus Christ, he sees nothing wrong with you. Now, I hope that's good news for somebody today. <laughs> that's awesome. But you must continue, okay, ooh, you must continue to believe this truth. Don't start some other thing. The gospel saved you. Don't start some works program. And stand firmly in it. Don't drift. Church, don't drift. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached over all over the world And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Is that good news? I don't know. I thought more of you would be smiling. You're all like really serious. The word of God. Sheesh. Lighten up. That's a mild rebuke right there. The Bible is fun. When you read the Bible, it tells you what not to do. That's awesome. But it also tells you what to do. Right? And in this case, it tells you about him. So, verse 15. Here's the first point, right? 
putting Jesus first this Christmas. Why? Why would I do that? Because he is supreme. He's everything you've ever wanted. He's everything you've ever needed. He's God. You're like, yeah, what's God anyway? I can't help you with your unbelief. But God can. God can. Ask him if he's real. If you don't believe he's real, ask him if he's real. Ask him to show you he's real. Put him to the test that way. See what he does. If your heart is pure and you really want to know, he'll show you. He is supreme. Right? Look at all the things it says about him. He's the image of God. The image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. The image of the invisible God. So I brought a few gods with me today. Here's the elephant God. Don't drop him or his trunk might be broken. That's how God-like he is. This is the stone God. has a verse on it. It's really good. I could have brought other things. Oh, hey, hold on. You bring a metal God? Plastic God? You could bring tons of gods. Right? This is the visible image of the ethereal elephant God. Right? How many, we laugh, we scoff, right? But how many people are worshiping indivisible, you know, invisible gods with, with objects that they've made? And those objects are lifeless. They will never talk. They will never move. They will never do anything for that person who's begging, begging them, him, I don't know what to call it. The imaginary God. To do something. And yet here we are. Knowing the God of the universe. The invisible God. Who no one will ever see. Except for one thing. He put on flesh. And he dwelt among us. If you don't think Jesus is a historical figure. You're not paying attention. It's as sure as sure gets. Can't be much sure about, more sure than that, right? Jesus came here to earth and he was visible. And he did visible signs and wonders. I just think that first part just awakens my heart to how super he is. How supreme he is. The firstborn of all creation. Now this can get kind of weird. Some people like to, um, some false religions like to say, well, you know what? Jesus was created. He's the first of creation. So God created Jesus and then Jesus created everything else. That's not what it means. I could go into a long diatribe of why the firstborn was so important in the Old Testament and why this language is so important to what he's saying and it would take about 30 minutes to an hour. I don't have that time. Take my word for it. That's not what it means. It does mean he was born. It means he's the firstborn, right? It means he's the most important. And he, that's why I read it from the other version. I love that. He existed before anything and was created. Uh, be, he existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. That's it. He existed before anything. And he created it all, but 
He didn't, he wasn't created. So just to be clear. Um, also, if you're nuanced and you're intelligent and you want to really think about it, if that's what that means, then the rest of the passage doesn't make sense. It's contradicting it. Because it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions and rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? All right. So why Jesus is first place? The first is he's the image of God. You can see him, you can touch him, you feel him. One day you're going to be face to face with him. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. I choose to bow now. I just choose to see him working all around me, as visible as it gets. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the creator of all things. Just read that. He's the sustainer of all things. That's the next part here. And uh, Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he actually holds it all together. So this morning it felt like everything was falling apart. There was snow in front of that door. Oh, there. There's the salt. <laughs> the sidewalk was a mess, right? We went and salted that. Um, the trailer door wouldn't open. Like There was just like all these things, right? Felt like it was falling apart. And yet, because of God, we were able to hold it all together, <laughs> right? And because of God, we're here in a service. Thank you for this building, Lord. Thank you for the custodial staff. Thank you for the people that plowed this snow for us to be here. Thank you for the people that came and set up. Thank you, God, for everything you've given us in order to worship you, right? Are we so weak as Christians? Do we need to be coddled, right? And I think he holds us together even when it's hard, right? He does. He's this this sustainer. And then this. He is the head of the body of the church. Is this the church or what? We got one head. It's Jesus, right? (laughs) That's it. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Well, he raised from the dead. But it's not just that he raised from the dead. He has perfect authority over death, right? He can raise you from the dead like that and will. Save you from death. That in everything, this is the key, this is really the title of the message, that in everything he might be preeminent. You're like, what does that mean? That word. I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> preeminent. First place. That's what it means. First place. The first one. First in everything. Jesus is first place. It's so important that you get that. Putting Jesus first this Christmas. Why? Because he is supreme. Okay, now let me just illustrate that for you. We're kind of infatuated with super. Right? Like Superman. Superman has like what? Laser eyes? Eyes like a flame of fire or something like that? wonder where they got that phrase from. wonder where they got that idea or concept to have flames coming out or lasers coming out of someone's eyes. 
Where, where do you think they got that from? Revelation chapter 1? I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So God isn't, Jesus isn't your superman, although we'd like to dumb him down to that. He's not your superhero, right? We're really infatuated with superheroes. Some people are stronger than others. We idolize them on social media. We promote them to the top. They have more likes, more followers, and blah, 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 and I'm grossed out by it. I'm just grossed out by it. We try to make Jesus more human than he is. He's human, fully human, right? But then we try to dumb him down like he's not fully God. We forget about the God part. He's fully God. And that's what makes him supreme, right? That's what makes him supreme. So he has all these attributes and he's full. That's the last part. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Like, that's just astounding. I just want you to contemplate that for a second. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. How? How? How did God dwell in Jesus? I read the New Testament. Did you? How did God dwell in Jesus? Through the Spirit. God dwelled in God through God. Imagine that. Sounds like a God thing to do. It's not that astounding that God dwells in God, right? What's astounding is God will dwell in you. That's the kicker. That's what makes him supreme. Not only that he could house the fullness of God, but that somehow when he saves you, you can house the fullness of God too. That somehow you don't explode when the Holy Spirit enters your body. Because this flesh and bones shouldn't be able to contain God. That's a work of God. That he can fill you and support you and sustain you fully, right? You're like, well, maybe he doesn't fill us as much as he filled Jesus. How much do you want? (laughs) I mean, that's it, right? More and more. How much do you want? That's the fullness. That's what we're going for. It's not like God's holding back from you. I think the opposite might be true. It might be we're holding back from God, right? We're holding back our secret sin. We're holding back our secret desire. We're holding back our desire for this or that or the other thing, our unhappiness with however it is. We're the ones holding back. He's not holding back. Look at that list. And why does Paul say all this? Because the church there was like, ah, Jesus is pretty important, but what about angels? What about fasting? What about other things? Maybe Jesus is just a small spirit. Maybe he's not the spirit. And I got to say, we have the same thing going on in our society right now. Maybe Jesus is just a man. Isn't that what every false religion says? Isn't that what every human has said at some point? Including you. Haven't you doubted? What if Jesus was just a man? Shame on us, right? When the proof is, he's fully God. All right, putting Jesus Christ because he's supreme. Second thing, why is that important? Because we were sinners. And I said we're, not are. 
And there's a reason I said were. We were sinners. You were a sinner before Jesus Christ saved you. So if Jesus Christ hasn't saved you, you still are a sinner. And that's fine. Because Jesus came to save you and rescue you. Just ask him to do it. But for me, I did that. By faith, January 15th, 1992, I asked Jesus to save me from my sin, to fill me, right, with himself. Praise the Lord. Yeah, and you did that one day too. Remember that? Right. So we were sinners. Like, yeah, but I still am a sinner. That's not how God sees you. Now, this just became really real to me, and I want to say it again. We were sinners. You're like, but I sinned yesterday. That's not how God sees you. Do you think God is like, well, you were a sinner, you were saved, now you're not a sinner, and then every time you sin, oh, you are a sinner, what now needs to happen at the end? You need to be saved again? That sounds ridiculous, right? So I'm just telling you, you were a sinner. And in God's eyes, he looks at you as, uh, Paul used it up here in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Why does he say both? It seems like it'd be synonymous. A saint is somebody who's saved. No longer a sinner, a saint. A faithful brother or sister in Christ is somebody who's walking according to the way. There's a distinction there. You can be saved and not be faithful. But I want to be saved and be faithful. And that's what this book's about. That's what this chapters about is us being faithful to a supreme God because he saved us from our sin. So first, because we were sinners, we were lost, we were alienated, we were hostile in mind, we were doing evil deeds. Anybody relate? Yeah, I was so there. You know what I want to say, and I still, uh, in God's eyes, I'm good i got to get through that. I don't know why it's so hard for me to think like God, but God sees me and he sees saved. He sees saint. He sees sufficient. He sees the Savior. All right, this third thing. Because he has saved us, he's reconciled us. So let me read both these verses. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, he made peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus made peace. Why was there not peace? Because of our sin. That's why there wasn't peace. But he made peace. So if he made peace, can you like somehow screw that up by your sin? Like I'm just telling you, you've got to get your head around this. And you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. He saved us. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a reminder of the gospel. Okay? I was walking around, I'm too sexy for my shirt, right? And then God dropped a boulder on me. Boom. And then I'm like, ah! And I crawl out from the boulder, I reach a hand of God, if, they're, if you're real, help me. Isn't that how it goes? And somehow he takes the boulder, and he's like, I'm here. Right here. Right with you. Been here the whole time. Just didn't realize it until the boulder. And so instead of walking this way, doing my own thing, I turn, called repentance, right? I turn from my sin, and I say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to keep in step with your spirit. I want to walk in your ways. And I start to walk a different direction, a different way. That's called salvation. It's literally termed in the Bible, justification. It's the time when I said, help, and God said, it's already on its way, right? I already sent Jesus. And he, with a gavel, it's a legal term, he bam, bam, bam with a gavel, and he says, not guilty. When I was standing there going, I plead guilty. But my lawyer, Jesus Christ, comes around when, Jesus, or when God's like, hey, you're going to say guilty, right? And he says, I'll take the punishment. I'll take the punishment for his sin. I'll do the time. I'll die. All sin demands death. And he died for us while we were yet sinners. Think about it now. How awesome. So now what do I got to do? I want that. Realize you're a sinner. Ask for help. Turn from your sin. And embrace, by faith, God's payment. That's about it. That's all the work of faith right there. You can't do that apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't do that on your own. So ask God if he's real. Ask God if he'll help you. And see what happens when he, when you let him start to take control of your life. The easiest way, did anybody read Ephesians chapter 2 today? Oh, mom, well done. Hopefully I don't need those notes. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, let me just read it, 1 through uh, 10 for you. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan and his demons, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Can you see any spiritual warfare behind this whole mess called the world? I can. Hope you can too. Among whom... We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. I was, but I'm not. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Not by works, by grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, I believe that's going to happen one day, but I believe that's already happened spiritually. Okay? When I was saved, I was raised up out of the mire to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own work, your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. No, I, I can't say it any better than that. Bam. All right, this last point, this is important too. <laughs> Putting Jesus first this Christmas because he's supreme because we are sinners, we're sinners, because he has saved us, because he wants the best for us. Do you know anybody that wants the best for you? You're like, well, maybe my wife. She's selfish too. He's selfish too. Whoever they are, they can say all the right things, but at the root of their heart, it's me. It's me. It's me. I just, to know that is just to be honest. But not with Jesus. Just like we read in Philippians, made himself low, put on flesh, even to the death on a cross. He kept humbling himself. He said, you before me, you before me, you before me. I love that about Jesus. So here's what he says. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This verse is pretty special. Continue in the faith is the theme. But there's some words in here, stable, established, one time in the Bible, only here. Steadfast, three times in the Bible. Why does Paul like double and double and double up on this thing of continue in the faith, stable, steadfast? Why? I think Pastor Bob told us last week when we were in our participation time, which we're getting ready to do, so start praying. You can call and order the pizza, right? Domino's deliver, right? But you can also cancel the order. If God gives you the free will, right, to call in and say, God help me, then he gives you the free will to cancel the order, right? He gives you the free will to push the Holy Spirit to your little toe and to 
do things on your own. You can live in the flesh, even saved. You can do it. Matter of fact, it feels gross when I do it. I don't want to do it. But you can do it. And you still will go to heaven by faith in the blood of Christ. Paul says, guys, that's not good enough. And it's not that you're not good enough. It's that you're not acknowledging the goodness of God. That God is so good, so powerful, that you should easily submit to him and just walk in step with him. Just stop running, right? He says, not shifting. Not shifting. Not going away from. Not walking away from. We don't want to walk away. We don't want to run away. Don't shift. So he, he bangs the drum like so many times here. Why? Because so many people in this day and age, 2021, December, are walking away from the hope of the gospel. They are. Maybe you are. Maybe this week was rough. You're like, I don't know. Where are you, God? COVID, church, work, where are you, God? Where are you? You know what I say? I hear him saying, wait, I'm working. I hear him say, I'm right here with you. But sin, sin is out there. It is working too. Didn't God say? That the sons of disobedience would be working? Didn't God say that the prince of the power of the air, that Satan would be working? Didn't God say there was going to be a battle at the end? Then why would we not think that the troops are being drawn up? Why would we not think that? Why would we just assume that it's supposed to be America in the 80s, right? And we're just supposed to be like fat and happy. No. God says, continue in the faith, even when it's hard. Be stable, even when it's hard. Be steadfast, even when it's hard. That's what he says. Not shifting, not running away, not shifting from the things that seem so hard. Man, God, thanks for the encouragement, right? So here, let me put this verse up. This verse is at the end of Colossians, and I just want to put it on the screen quick. Here's my charge to you as you leave. Jesus. Proclaim Jesus this week, right? Uh, it's Christmas season. Everybody wants to go to church on Christmas. Probably not. That's not true anymore. But God will lead you to the right person. There's some of these on the table out there. You can take an invite card. You can invite somebody back next week, all right? Up to you, you know, don't do it if you don't want to. Nobody's contriving you or twisting your arm. I'm just saying it's a great opportunity to do that now, right? We have plenty of seats. We have plenty of cards. You have plenty of friends who need Jesus. Invite your friends, okay? All right. So, him we proclaim. Just, just encourage you to do that. 
okay? Warning everyone, what? Of sin and suffering, right? And teaching everyone that suffering still happens and all the goodness of God. With all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what we're going for, that you'll grow up into Christ. For this I toil, hard work, struggling with all his energy. Do you see that? The spirit there filling you. That he powerfully works within me. If it's a struggle, I was sitting here as we sang, and I was like, man, I'm tired. I'm not eating so much. I'm off sugar. I'm tired, and I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, this is coming so hard. It's even hard to raise my hands. I'm like, kind of like, and then I just was like, if it's a struggle, why am I doing it? Why am I doing it? If it's a struggle, why am I doing it? If it's hard, shouldn't I stop? Yeah, if it's not for Jesus, stop. Stop struggling. If it's for the Lord, then it's okay to toil and struggle with all his energy that he puts in you. That's when it's okay to struggle and toil. When you need him to fill you up and to pour you out, he'll do it. Does that make sense? Well, whether it makes sense or not, hopefully it's right there in the word. So, all right, let's pray. Father God, uh, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that is possible through Jesus. Thank you for the visibility of Jesus, that he is uh, um, with us and in us and through us. Thank you that we can have um, just assurance of that in Jesus' name. God, we, we need you. That's, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. We need you. We need you, we need you, we need you. Fill us up, pour us out. May we be encouraged to put you first. You are supreme. We were sinners. You have saved us. And you do want the best for us. You want us to not shift, to not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. But you want us to be focused on the hope of the gospel. You want us to be focused on Jesus Christ, your son. He's everything to us. He's all that we need. We love you, God. We sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.